0: Okay. So, I've been having a lot of issues lately with... things. About four months ago, I had a near-death experience. I had a cardiac issue where my heart pretty much just stopped doing what it was supposed to do, and I collapsed in the middle of the grocery store. It was a seemingly random attack. It was completely unexpected, And I've always been told that I was healthy, so really there was no way anyone would have ever expected me to have this issue. But I did. I was walking with my wife around the store. We were talking about what to have for dinner, and in her words, I went pale, smiled, and literally fell face first into the pineapples. I was lucky that there actually happened to be a couple of paramedics at the store when this happened. Like, beyond lucky, as I had literal minutes before I wouldn't have been able to have been revived. They were able to get me back quickly, and we all took an impromptu ride in an ambulance to the ER, where the doctors worked some amazing miracles on me to keep me alive. I was in the hospital for a while, They kept me to make sure that it wasn't likely to happen again, and we went through all the consultations and tests to see why it happened at all. Without getting too far into it, I was basically told that I had a 90% chance of it never happening again, but that other 10% was a big deal to them. And I now have medications, and have to frequently check in with the cardiologist to make sure that I don't circle the drain anytime soon. Ever since I was released from the hospital, though, I've noticed things that are not the same for me. I've noticed that there are things that have been changed slightly, and it's actually been weighing pretty heavy on my mind. I don't know if this is personal Mandela effect things, or glitches, or just some sort of reality or timeline shift, but here we go. The first thing that I noticed was the insurance company that my wife and I go through. The name of the company that we use is Farmer's Insurance. However, that is not what I remember it being. I very distinctly remember the company being called The Farmer's Insurance Company. My wife says that the company has always just been Farmer's Insurance, and has never had the The or Company in the name, but I know this is false, at least for me. I've even seen the commercials in this reality where they have the jingle, and it's almost the same as the one I remember. In this reality, however, it's just, we are farmers. But I remember the jingle saying, we are the farmers, which, to me, makes more sense. If you say the sentence out loud, it makes more sense to say that you are the farmer and not just, you are farmer but that's just my opinion. Anyways, I remember the company being the farmer's insurance company, and no one else does. The second thing that I remember is actually a bit more personal, and not on a corporate level, and that is a local coffee shop that my wife and I like to go to. There's this little cafe that is the cutest little place, and it's owned by a local family. We used to go there every weekend before the accident. I very specifically remember that the name of the cafe was the Cardinal Coffee House, and I remember that their specialty, the Cardinal, was basically a mocha with a ghost pepper syrup in it to make it spicy. I remember talking to the owner about it and asking why the store's namesake drink was that and she said that it was because people associate heat with red, and cardinals were red. She then also said that cardinals were, quote-unquote, spicy little birds. Basically, that they were kind of mean when it came to their territory, so it just made sense to make their drink a little spicy too. I loved her explanation, and I loved the drink. The ghost pepper worked so well with the chocolate. Now, None of this is apparently true. The cafe is called the Bluebird, and their specialty namesake drink is incredibly boring. It's basically a vanilla latte with honey in it, and it's terrible. I actually talked to the owner about it, and I asked her if they still had the ghost pepper syrup for the coffee, and she seemed genuinely confused on what I was talking about. I'm actually incredibly sad because it was such a fun combo and I really liked it. But it never existed, according to everyone else. The last thing that I think is worth mentioning actually happened at work. I work in IT, and we have a fairly tight-knit team, so I know all the guys that work on my team pretty well. Obviously, I was out for a while with my medical stuff, and I'm super thankful that they were willing to let me start back up when I was feeling better, and that the company had decided to allow us to stay remote for the foreseeable future, which made working that much easier for me. However, when I finally got back into working, I noticed that one of the guys on our team was seemingly absent from the meetings. He was one of the network guys named Chuck. He was seemingly no longer part of the company. Now... These things do happen all the time, and since I was gone for quite a while, I assumed he had found other work and moved on. It wasn't likely that he got fired, as he was good at his job, and he was in good standing with the company. Then, about three weeks into me being back, we have a Zoom call meeting, where they all requested that we put our cameras on. The meeting starts, and the head of the IT department says that he wants to introduce a new member of our team, a guy named Chuck, that is going to be part of our networking team. I was completely confused. The guy on camera was the guy that I remembered working there. At first I thought that maybe he had left and come back, and that they were just being cheeky, but everyone was being genuine. This was Chuck's first day, and nobody knew him, I even asked my direct manager after that meeting if that was the same Chuck that worked for us prior, and he said that no one named Chuck had worked in IT before. I just said that I must have confused him with someone else, and I let it go, but I know this guy, and I know that he worked for the company before, at least in another timeline. These are just some of the things that I've noticed that have happened, and honestly... I'm pretty messed up with all this. It's incredibly stressful remembering things that seemingly never happened or existed, and I'm struggling to cope with it. Unfortunately, I think I'm just going to have to accept things for what they are now, because I don't think that there's any way for me to ever go back. This is all true. I've always had odd, unlikely, and even seemingly impossible things happen to me. I dare not go into all of them, as I honestly believe something is attached to me. Be it an angel with a sense of humor, plain old weird karma, energy, I don't know. And I don't want to upset whatever it might be. I'll write this anonymously and with no disrespect. This is just to tell you about some of the many items that I've had literally disappear, never to be seen again. Even today, every day, things are not where I leave them. I've learned that I have to be very aware of where I put something. Keys, glasses, remote control. And still, when I look for it later, not only is it not where I put it, but I might find it under other things, like a shirt or a piece of paper that I had not moved. That's my day today. But I've had many items really disappear. I've only, over the last couple of years, become aware of the multiverse theory, or given it any real consideration. Maybe this is where they go. In the 1980s, I was going from the car to our condo with my husband and some family members. The parking spot we'd parked in was a mere 15 or so yards from our door. But, at the time that this happened, I had walked at most 5 yards from the car. I took my giant wad of a keychain from the car and held it in my hand. As we all walked toward the condo, within a matter of seconds, I realized my keys were no longer in my hand. I asked everyone to stop and help me look for them. My husband had known that I had my keys, so he assumed that I had dropped them. We all assumed that, although I knew it would have been impossible for me not to have heard substantial clink if they had dropped from my hand to the pavement, considering I had many keys and a lot of unnecessary metal keychains. There was only black pavement between the car and the condo, as I hadn't made it as far as the small grassy area. Everyone looked for about 20 minutes, including all through the car and the entire parking lot and grass area, even though I hadn't been near the grass. Those keys never turned up. I had to have remade three car keys, house keys, mailbox key, and other random keys, like those to my parents' house. None of my family would have taken my keys as a prank, and then never admit to it, and let me spend all of the hassle to replace everything. I couldn't replace the keychains. I lived there for another seven years, and those keys were never found, not even by neighbors. My husband and I lived near San Francisco. The Golden Gate Bridge was celebrating an anniversary, which we attended. My husband bought me a really cool t-shirt commemorating the event, and I loved that shirt. It was just the two of us. We got into the car, and of course I had the shirt with me. I even opened it up and looked at it again in the car as we were driving home. It was dark by then, and a little breezy, so we had all the car windows rolled up. We didn't stop anywhere between the bridge and home, but you know what I'm going to say. The shirt never made it to our home, and I never saw that t-shirt again. When we got home, it was not in the car anywhere, and even checking and rechecking the car over the next couple of years, it never turned up. This also happened with a movie rental from a video store. I'd put the VHS into the car, and by the time I got to the video store, it was gone. It was exactly the same several years later with a rented video game. Also... I had a banana disappear from a car, and no telltale smell of old banana ever appeared. These are all car related, even though they were all in different cars and over many years. I've lost many other things that I know were in my house, that were just never located, even after moving. Special things that I put in a special place just vanished. Of course, I've lost things that I can attribute to theft or human error, but these I can't. Are all of these many lost things in a big pile together in some other reality? I would love to hear your thoughts. I guess I'm late to the party on this one. I'd like to share my side of things on the Further Loom story. Personally, outside of curiosities like the Baron Stain Bears, me, I've personally thought most of this was hogwash. As a huge Star Wars fan, I remember clearly it being, No, I am your father, with Luke, I am your father basically just used as a marketing phrase. I remember C3PO's leg being silver. I remember most of these things correctly. I do remember it being Bernstein Bears, but it wasn't a big enough part of my life to make me start becoming paranoid or anything. When I was a kid, my family lived in Alvaton, Kentucky. My dad worked at Fruit of the Loom. It felt like everything revolved around this company when I was young. My dad worked as an applications manager He'd bring home the IBM ThinkPads, Palm Pilots, all sorts of cool technology that seemed light years ahead of the time to my elementary through middle school aged kid mind. We had tons of company family functions. He would bring home clothing. Needless to say, the Fruit of the Loom's logo was a huge part of my mind. I remember thinking the cornucopia was a loom, and distinctly remember my dad correcting me on that while laughing and teaching me what it actually was. I also remember doodling the logo while I was in class and making the cornucopia as a bunch of spirals. I just found out about this Mandela effect this morning, and I texted my dad, who has now long moved on from the company. I texted him the logo with the cornucopia in it and said, you worked there. Do you not remember this as their logo? The response I got was, I did and do remember it. I then called him and he asked why we were talking about something like this. I told him how I was watching the X Games this weekend, which was sponsored by them, and noticing the logo had it removed. After going on to the internet and realizing it apparently never had the corticopia in it at all, He got very defensive immediately, as if someone was calling him a liar and said, What do you mean it wasn't in the logo? I have things in storage with that logo stitched on it. I know I saw that thing every day for years. I explained to him what the Mandela effect was, which I don't think he quite understands, but the logo thing got him very worked up. He's apparently still friends with a couple of former workers on Facebook. He's going to reach out to them today to see if they remember the same thing. To be quite honest with you, this is one of those freak out moments for my life. I can legitimately say without a doubt that this logo used to be different. It's bothering me probably more than I'd ever thought something like this would. It's like being told your parents' name suddenly is something different. I have no reason to remember this cornucopia being there. I didn't even know what the damned thing was until my father corrected me. Those are burned-in childhood memories that I know existed. Not just, I folded the laundry so I know. I remember large models of the logo at family events- I remember sitting in the damned cornucopia that they had. God, the more I think about it, the more it feels like a huge prank. I'll post with updates, if any, but thanks for hearing out my first post here. The OP then added an update to their post in the comments, and I will include that here. I'll quickly go over my call with him last night. His coworkers still have yet to get back to him, the one that he's talked to in the past and usually gets back to him within a few days. I asked what years he was there. He said he was there from 1990 to 1998. His friends on Facebook included two bosses and two coworkers. He's not been able to find any personal items yet from the time period with any logo on them, and we talked about this at length. Before the internet was widely used, there was no outside connectivity, at least with Fruit of the Loom during this period of time. Thus, the use of letterhead on project forms, memos, etc. was not a common practice like it is today. He did find a couple of memos that he kept, again, not emails, and there wasn't a letterhead on it for him to reference. I guess there was a person there that every time he would push out an update, the whole system would go down. So, they made a joke memo for him to use that basically said, I'm about to run program whatever, so get ready for it. Or something to that effect. He's found some items from the time period, but again, none with any logos on them. He did express that the company went through several hands, both while he was there and afterwards. He distinctly remembers that while he was there, he remembers at least once the cornucopia going away for a period of time. Apparently, this was a very stressful time to work there. Clothing in general was just starting to be outsourced to India at the time, and there was a large amount of pressure from Haynes. There were many times, especially during the course of these buyout transitions, where everyone thought they were going to lose their jobs. He described the office as very barren in terms of branding. There was a logo outside that was small and one inside, but the offices were generally devoid of any branding. Branding largely was seen on the product itself or during the family events, which, to be fair, was everywhere. Again, the logo wasn't pushed out there on everything to the same respect that it is today, and he made it very clear that Fruit of the Loom today is a very different company now than when he was there. He's still very adamant about the cornucopia, and has distinct memories of it. He also described several other in-house brands that he was in charge of. One was a brand specifically to be sent to screen printers who made their own custom shirts. I guess, at least back then... They never would dare ship out Fruit of the Loom branded shirts to these people, as they thought back then that it would cheapen the image of their brand. They didn't make it very public at all that they owned these other sister brands. He did have photos from family events, but all of our family photos went to my mother in their divorce. I haven't talked to her for nearly ten years now, and neither has he, outside of court appearances so that's basically a lost avenue. My call with him was earlier than anticipated. Questions only started to roll in that I requested, after the call was already completed, so I do apologize for that. When he said he would call me at 9pm, I honestly forgot about the 3 hour time difference and was taken off guard when he called at 6. One last point that I would like to make, he is now 60, So, this all happened in his 40s, i.e. this was well into his career, and wasn't something that happened to him when he was young. He made it a point to note that he was old enough to respect and take note of aspects of the company, such as his branding, and he wouldn't have taken it so casually. He was fairly high up in the company, and did not take it lightly. Although he made it a point that Fruit of the Loom was the largest employer of the neighboring towns, Alveton and Bowling Green. Basically, everyone knew the brand there. It was like Corvettes to some people in Kentucky. It was everywhere and everything as it was the main provider of income to the district. While branding internally wasn't like it would be today, people in general in the vicinity were very much aware of the brand both in name and logo, and would be easily remembered by workers, their families and anyone else not associated with them, but living in the neighboring towns. I feel like this is a very important point to bring up. Edit, I forgot to mention that he stated that nobody called it a cornucopia in the office. It was generally referred to by workers as the basket. Thank you to the poster below for inadvertently reminding me of that part of the call. Some may know me based on my post in the Mandela Effect thread. My father worked at the Fruit of the Loom's headquarters in Kentucky. It's since moved and we both have extremely specific memories and life events regarding the cornucopia. I've had a small handful of other experiences in my life that are perplexing, but nothing in regards to glitches per se, except for this. It honestly bothers me, although it's not scary, just confusing, if that makes sense. I'm not sure why, but it's been on my mind as of late, so... I figured I would get this out of my system and post it here. This is a few years ago. So, my wife is Canadian born, and she still had family up there. Her father had passed several years prior from pancreatic cancer that wasn't diagnosed in time. And her mother was now very ill from complications due to Parkinson's disease. It was a long time coming her health having sharply deteriorated after my father-in-law's passing. She was in assisted care living, could no longer speak, and we all knew she would be passing extremely soon. My wife went up to say her goodbyes, and she happened to pass away while she was up there. She stayed some time afterwards to take care of her affairs and attend her funeral. I was working at an extremely bad company at the time, with an owner who was egotistical and liked to threaten people quite a bit, and I was basically told that if I took off time to go to the funeral, I wouldn't have a job to come back to when I returned. So, I stayed here in the States, missing my mother-in-law's funeral. It pissed me off, but there wasn't anything I could do at the time. After it was all complete, I went to pick up my wife at the airport, I saw her along the curbside in front of her airline's area and pulled over. There were traffic cops up ahead that will bark at you if you put your vehicle into park, so I was in a hurry to get her luggage and get back into the truck. I had a 2017 Toyota Tacoma at the time. It was the SR5 package with the chrome rear bumper corners on the rear. I picked up her suitcase and flung it into the bed of the truck, kissed her, asked her how she was doing, and I opened her door. As she started to get in, I ran around the truck to the driver's side and got in. In this short amount of time, someone had pulled in right in front of me and was taking their sweet time, so I decided to back up to give myself enough room to pull around them into the middle lane. I looked in my backup cam, didn't see anyone, and proceeded to go into reverse. Suddenly, the truck stopped abruptly. I had hit someone that was out of sight of the camera in the corner of my bumper. I was in such a rush to get out of there that I didn't use my mirrors, which was dumb, I know. My wife asked if we hit someone, and I said that I had and told her to wait there. I got out, and there was a red/slash/maroon Hyundai behind me with the pushed-in grille and front part of the hood. A Mexican woman and her mother came out of the car, screaming at me. I apologized over and over, and they eventually calmed down and realized it was just an honest mistake. I took ownership of the fault from the beginning to end, and they seemed content that I wasn't trying to skirt responsibilities. I looked at my Tacoma, and the chrome part of the bumper, there's chrome only on each far corner, was scraped up badly. And slightly dented upwards, though I was honestly pretty happy to see how little damage there was after looking at how badly the Hyundai was banged up. They explained that their car was a rental, and they seemed very stressed about having damaged it. They didn't get the insurance from the rental place, and were adamant that I filled out the paperwork in the glove box that's provided in case of an accident. Which I promptly filled out without any hesitation, I showed them my insurance, which they took a picture of with their phone, and filled that info out as well on the paperwork along with everything else. We wrapped things up, came back into the truck, and I apologized to my wife, who said something to the effect of, "Uh, eh, stuff happens, it's all right." and we went home. The next day, I went out to look at my truck thinking I would have to ebay the chrome piece to replace it. It's a cheap part, and I would rather have that than to deal with my insurance replacing the part on top of having to pay for the rental's damage. I was shocked to see that there wasn't any damage on the chrome. In fact, I thought I was mistaken on the side that I hit, since there was absolutely no damage. I checked the other chrome bumper piece, but nothing. Here's the part that messes with me. I never was contacted by my insurance, or any other party or company about that crash. My wife remembers it. I remember it. But there was never any damage on that truck after the initial day, and the people who didn't have rental insurance, who would have most certainly reported me due to how badly the Hyundai's damage was, never reported me. Keep in mind... I was super stressed out for weeks, so it's not like we imagined this or something, because I knew that I'd have to be dealing with my insurance company and paying of deductibles, etc. Money was tight at the time as well, and I was extremely stressed about having to pay $500 for the deductible. I kept waiting for a call, something in the mail, nothing. I suppose this could be explained away as they were trying to be nice or something, and just used their own insurance. I mean, who would take out their own deductible for someone else that they don't even know? But even past that, it doesn't explain why my truck was no longer scraped up and dented. Has anyone else had an experience like this? This Reddit sub was the only place I figured it was relevant. Thanks. A couple of days ago, I answered a question on the Ask Reddit subreddit. The question being Hikers of Reddit, what has been the most effed up thing you've ever seen? This is the story. It was the time I went to Niagara Falls. So picture this for environmental reasons. It's summer, two days before your trip to Niagara. There's a bunch of rain that causes mudslides, and the day you get there, it's extremely sunny and hot. During this trip, my husband and I decided to go on a hike-slash-walk through some easy trails on the Upper Whirlpool Trails, Niagara River Whirlpool. We went there because the trees provided amazing shade, and it's right next to the rapids of the falls, so it felt refreshing. So we started going down the trail, and it started getting cooler and a bit harder terrain to maneuver yourself around, and my steel-toe boots started to weigh more for some reason. But the lower that we went, the fresher it felt, so that was no problem for us because it was hot up there, and fresher downwards. So we kept going. But I guess we went a little too low, because there was suddenly nobody around us. We came upon some signs, and a little fence that told us not to go in that direction, because there were mudslides due to the rain, and we wouldn't be able to go to the devil's hole moderately safely. We weren't trying to get to the devil's hole. We're a bit superstitious, and know not to venture too far in to disturb the woods. And let's be honest here, A place that's called the Devil's Hole, plus some warning signs that said not to go in that direction. It sounds like it's straight out of a horror movie. I told that to my husband. He agreed. And then out of nowhere, this man is behind us. I have no idea how he snuck right behind us, or how he heard our conversation, but he said hi to us, and told us that he has lived there his whole life, And some little mudslides have never stopped him. Then he recommended that we keep going. He jumped the fence, and on he went to the distance of the trail. And for some odd reason, his presence calmed us. I guess seeing another human was reassuring. So we crossed the fence. The trails were really cool, literally. It was getting cooler the more that we walked but my steel-toed boots started to feel heavier than before. There were mudslides, broken trees, eroding rocks, and a mildly foul stench of decomposition. Maybe some predator killed its prey and didn't eat it, I thought. And, weirdly enough, there was no sign of the man that went in before us. We went right after he went, so how was he that fast that now we couldn't see him? I had a lot of thoughts because of the environment, it felt so weird that it made me anxious and scared, especially when I started feeling like something was staring at me. My husband was also feeling nervous, because he was walking faster and humming. He started to walk way ahead of me, and he saw it first, the hole, and when he stopped to look at it, I felt it, this immense flight, or hide reaction. He felt it too, because immediately he grabbed my wrist before I could see anything, and he power-walked us back the way we came through. I was panicking, because the look on his face was... horrible. What did he see? I asked and tried to talk, but then he told me not to look back and to just keep walking straight. And I did. Why? Well, one, because I know better than to look back, and two, he wasn't humming. I looked at him and he was quiet, but I could still hear the humming. Aside from the humming, everything was quiet, so quiet that I started to pay attention to the environment again. It was cold, the trees looked rather decayed than broken, and there was a decomposing animal on the side of the trail what kind of predator kills but then doesn't eat their prey and at this height rocks shouldn't be eroding yet and such an odd pattern too but especially what convinced me that something was off was that stare that I felt behind me once we got out of the forest I didn't dare to ask but once we were back in our state and I felt more secure I asked what he saw and he wouldn't answer me so I left it at that Ignorance is bliss after all, and I'd rather not burden myself with such knowledge. What happened in Niagara stayed in Niagara. Before posting this, I got curious as to what my husband saw, and I showed him my comment retelling the story. And he stops and says, The guy wasn't coming from behind us, the guy came from the trail that led to the Devil's Hole. And I refuted it by saying that no, He came from behind us, and that's what gave us a sense of security. Because, in reality, it did give me a sense of security. In my mind, if the guy entered first, that meant that the trail must be safe, and we wouldn't necessarily be loners down in said trail. Well, my husband argued that it made no sense. That he wouldn't have trusted that. That he felt more secure to go in because the presence of the guy leaving the trail... Made him feel safer, and that's why we felt compelled to go. But I argued that that would have probably freaked me out. He promises he's recalling the events correctly, but I'm sure that I'm recalling it correctly too. Whatever it was, this random guy that appeared from either side convinced us to go in, and there were never any footprints left behind. It makes me wonder what truly happened in the woods that day. Do any of y'all maybe know where I can get said answers? Or have any of you have experienced anything similar? Or know what it could have been? How can two people remember two different scenarios so vividly? And, for any curious people, yes, he did tell me what he saw when I asked. Apparently it was nothing impressive or cool, but... Basically, he said that while he was walking ahead and trying to ignore that ominous environment, he gave one step to look, and he felt a tremendous coldness in a straight line. That's extremely abnormal in nature. A temperature change like that just doesn't happen. And when he looked forward, there was nothing in sight, but he wasn't going to wait for anything to appear, and his gut told him to run away. That's how we ended up getting away from that trail and out of the woods. And that's it. I guess I have a strange glitch or personal Mandela effect situation that I haven't been able to figure out and probably never will. My apologies if this is somewhat boring or too short... It's not really a long story, nor is it super crazy. It's just really weird to me, and I can't find an explanation for the whole thing. For a little context, I'm not huge into the paranormal, nor do I believe we live in a simulation, and I'm not under the influence of anything, etc., and so on. But this is something that has bothered me ever since it happened. My cousin, I'll call him Danny, was my best friend growing up. I lived in a neighborhood that had next to zero kids, so he and I would always be spending time together. My favorite childhood memories are from when he and I would play Pokemon Red and Blue on our old school Game Boys, because we would just sit there for hours playing through the game, trading the Pokemon, and battling each other to see who had the stronger monsters. In fact, It's because of him that I got my then-favorite Pokemon, Alakazam. It's not really relevant, but to get Alakazam, you have to trade your Kadabra with another person, and then it evolves. There are a few Pokemon from back then that did this, and I remember that we pretty much finished the Pokedex in both games because of how much we played together. It may not seem like it's important, but... I remember getting to the 150 mark on the game, which is not something you could do without two people, or at least two games and two Game Boys. When I was 12, Danny's parents, so my aunt and my uncle, decided to move to another part of the state. It was pretty far away, so we never really got to see each other after this, as my parents never wanted to go that way, and I couldn't drive. I moved on, though and I grew up with pretty much no other friends. am not trying to garner pity, I'm just saying. Then, when I was around 17, my aunt and uncle wanted to have a good-sized party for Danny's 18th birthday and graduation. It was seemingly a really big deal for them, so they invited everyone over and wanted the entire family to come and celebrate. I was stoked. I hadn't seen him for five years, and I had planned on giving him a short speech during the party about how much spending time with him as a child meant for me. I was going to make a joke about how we spent hours playing Pokemon, and I wanted to get him an Alakazam card as a joke, only to find out that they don't print Alakazam cards. Look it up, it's pretty stupid. So I just planned on giving him my little speech, and that was that. When I got there... I was actually thankful that I didn't get an Alakazam card for him, because apparently, none of my childhood memories playing Pokemon with Danny ever happened. That's right, nothing I just said is a thing that happened in my current existence. My cousin Danny, the one that I spent hours playing Pokemon with, the one that traded me the Alakazam that I cherished and beat his Pokemon with a hundred times... He was apparently born blind. He has, apparently, never been able to see anything. Ever. And the reason that this was a big celebration wasn't just because he was graduating, but because of how much he struggled with trying to get through high school with his disability, and how proud everyone was of him for making it. Obviously, I'm pretty damn proud of him too, but I don't get how this is possible. For the record, this is the same Danny as the one that I grew up with. Same red, seemingly wind-swept hair, same bright green eyes, and same goofy attitude. Except this Danny can't see, and has never been able to. Being unable to see means that there's no way he could have ever played the old school Pokemon games with me, and my entire childhood is one big false memory. I'm not going to lie, it actually hurts the hell out of me to know this, and there's really nothing that I can do about it. There were no other cousins that lived near me, there were no other kids that it could have been, and obviously I didn't just imagine it all or dream that it all happened. I am devastated that my best friend as a kid just didn't seem to exist in this reality." It's been years since all of this happened, we're both in our thirties now, but I still think about all this quite often. And I honestly miss the Danny that I knew and grew up with in the other timeline. I have a short glitch that happened to me that may not seem like it was that big of a deal, but... I wasn't the only one to experience it. So, it's one of those minuscule but also really crazy because it wasn't just me involved situations. My sister and I lived together for a while in a two-bedroom apartment, and we would split rent between the two of us. The way that we would pay the rent was that she would give me the money to put into my account, I would then deposit it, and write a direct check to the rental office, and that was that. That way, we only had to do one check, and I had checks already, so it was just the easier way to do it. The rental office was incredibly anal about getting the rent checks early, and by that, I meant that they wanted the rent to be paid on the first, and no earlier. Because of this, the week that we had to pay, I would write the check and then clip it to the refrigerator and one of us would take it up to the rental office on the first of the month. In the month in question, I had done what I usually did, and had written out the check and clipped it onto the fridge. Unfortunately, there was an issue at my sister's office with the payroll, and they had a delay in payment by a few days. Because of this, she wasn't going to be paid until the third so she wouldn't have been able to get me the money until then, which meant that we would be paying rent on the 4th. The rental office also had the whole due on the 1st considered late on the 5th, so we were going to be down to the wire. I know this all sounds really kind of confusing and convoluted, but it's important to understand the timing and the process by which we had to do things. So she got paid, She gave me the cash, and I went to the bank to deposit it on the 3rd, so that we could run up the check on the 4th, and be on time still. I told her to remind me to grab the check in the morning, so I could take it in on my way to work. Unfortunately, she did not remind me, and I completely forgot about it until I was sitting at my desk at work. I was obviously cursing myself and freaking out because they weren't going to be in the office when I got off work. And, if they didn't have the check in hand by the time they locked the door to the office, they added like $150 onto the rent for that month. I was not willing to pay the extra. So, I told my boss that I needed to leave at lunch for a personal thing, and he was fine with it. I kind of felt bad for dipping out early, just to get a check into the office for my rent, but I figured it was better than paying all the extra. Lunch came around, I left to go get the rent check, and was confused when I got home. The check wasn't where I had left it on the fridge. My first thought was that it had fallen, but I checked around the fridge and couldn't seem to find it. Then... My second thought was that maybe my sister had grabbed it when she got up and taken it in before she went into work. I went ahead and called up to the office and asked them if they had gotten the rent check for us, which was a bit strange to have to ask, but they looked and said that they did in fact have this month's rent and that we were good. When my sister got home that evening, I thanked her for taking the rent check up to the office for me, and then she told me that she hadn't. She said that when she had gotten up that morning, the check was gone, so she assumed that I had remembered. I told her that I had forgotten to grab it, and I actually took a half day off of work to get home and get it in so it wouldn't be late. Neither of us took the check up to the office, but yet they had it. For the record, I genuinely believe that she was not messing with me, because it's not like her and I wasn't running on autopilot or anything like that. Neither of us have any idea how it got into the office, but it did. Like I said at the beginning, I know it's not that big of a glitch, but it helped us out quite a bit, so I guess thank you to whoever runs the simulation. At the end of my freshman year of college, I packed up my apartment. I put all of my special knick-knacks and mementos in one box, being careful to wrap everything in bubble wrap, and then I taped it with packing tape. And I mean, I wound half a roll around this cardboard box to make sure that everything would be safe. I then went back to my parents' house for the summer. My old bedroom had a walk-in closet, and in the back of the closet there was a small half-door that went under the eaves for more storage. I put the box in the storage space, shut and locked the door, and I didn't open it again until I went back to college. When I unpacked my box, there was this disc I had never seen before. It was a flat disc with a divot in the middle of it, so it would spin like a top and there was a design on it that would reflect the light as it spun. It wasn't new, as it had a few superficial scratches on the shiny surface. I had never seen it before or anything like it in my life. I figured it had to belong to my roommate, and got into my box by mistake, even though I packed and taped the box myself. It seemed weird, but I just figured it somehow got into my stuff without me seeing it. We didn't live together this year, but she came to visit soon enough. And I said, oh, hey, I think this must be yours. I showed her the disc, and she said it wasn't hers, and that she had never seen it before. Okay, weird, but I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. I just set it out with my collection of odd knickknacks and forgot about the whole thing. Right at the end of my second school year, I ran into an old classmate from high school. We hadn't seen each other or spoken since graduation. We ended up reconnecting, and dating. I eventually married and then divorced him. We broke up when I went out of state to another college as my last one was only a two-year program- I didn't like the school, and left after one semester. When I came home, I started hanging out with my future ex-husband again, as well as his roommate. They had their own place, and I was living at my parents, so we would always hang out at their place. Except one day, I had the roommate to my house. We were hanging out in my room, and he spots the disc. And he was like, Oh, Hey, did C, the future ex-husband, give you that? I thought it was lost. Immediately, I was like, WTF. I said no, it appeared randomly in my stuff after my first year in college. He went on to describe the scratches on it and how they got there. He spotted the disc from across the room and could not have seen these tiny surface scratches from that distance. But they were distinct and he described them exactly it turns out this sat on their coffee table for a long time until it disappeared around the same time it appeared in my stuff in a box that was taped up in a locked room a year after I last saw C at graduation and a year before I ran into him again I have no explanation how it got there if the box had been opened and retaped, it would have been obvious. You pull that much tape off of a cardboard box, and the layers of the box will rip off too. No one had access to that room. And the idea that someone broke into a house, broke into a locked room in the house, opened, and then retaped the box without marring the box at all, just to put a small, non-important item into that box, is ludicrous and I still have yet to hear a rational explanation. I guess that this was my first glitch. I've had others since, but this was before there was a name for it, the mid-90s, and it's bothered me ever since. Okay, so about three weeks ago, I started texting this guy, we hit it off and have a lot in common. Anyways, we started talking about sleep patterns and whatnot. I told him that I sleep a lot, especially when I get off work. As soon as I get home, I take a shower, and I go to sleep. He says that he's the opposite. He has trouble falling asleep to the point where he has to fall asleep with rain videos and stuff like that. So, I decided to tell him about Dr. Teal's sleeping spray the one that's been all over TikTok. I've never used it, but I heard that it actually works. I decided to send him a picture of it. I go online to take a screenshot of the spray, and I even sent him the lotion that also helps to sleep. After I sent it to him, I showed my sister our text, and we talked about it for a while. We were joking, saying that we should get it just to see if it actually works, and I show her the pictures that I sent to him. Anyways, and my point is that I texted him and sent him a picture of the spray. He even joked around about it, saying, Huh, imagine I spray too much and end up in a coma or something. And I was like, please don't. <laughs> so, fast forward to today, we start having this same conversation about sleep. Our sleeping patterns and whatnot. I'm thinking, didn't we go through this already? Because he was like, "Oh, I can't sleep, I have trouble sleeping. Something along those lines. I texted him back saying, I'm telling you, you need to try out that sleeping spray. And Then he was like, what's that? I assumed that maybe he forgot. So I sent him a text saying, the Dr. Teal's sleeping spray, the blue bottle. And he's like, I don't know what that is. At this point I'm so confused because I'm certain that we had this conversation before. I'm positive I sent him the screenshots of it, so I go back to our messages trying to find it. Nothing. I never delete my texts. I still have messages that go back to last year. So I was confused. I went back to my screenshots on the phone to see the pictures from that day that I had taken or screenshotted. There's nothing. I couldn't find it. I spent 34 minutes going through all of my pictures and messages, and I could not find anything regarding the stupid spray. So, I go find my sister, and I told my sister about it and asked her if she remembered, when I mentioned the sleeping spray to the guy. We joked about actually getting it, and she says yes, why? I go on to explain everything to her, and she's freaked out. So am I. Because what the hell... I know that I didn't text it to some other guy because he was the only guy that I was talking to at that time. So I go through all my messages again, hoping that I sent it to someone else, and there's nothing. I can't find anything. Just nothing at all. As if I never had that conversation with him. I don't know what it means, but it's just insane. Because if it wasn't for my sister remembering the whole ordeal... I would have probably thought that I'm imagining things, or hallucinating. So, I'm not sure how to make sense of this mess. And No, I don't do drugs, nor drink. So, I don't know what reasonable explanations I can come up with. Has anything like this ever happened to anyone else? This isn't a huge glitch, but it was a glitch. I've had many glitches, but suddenly they all stopped. They quickly become a thing that I would occasionally think about, so this brings me to yesterday. I've had a great weekend with my goddaughter and her mother, we just got out of a movie. My goddaughter, only being five, felt that she deserved a treat for behaving during the long movie. So, her mother, who was driving, said, Sure, why not? My goddaughter pointed to a store and said, I want candy from there. I said, That's a clothing store, not a place that sells candy. Her mother said, No, they have candy as well. I laughed and said, Okay, who am I to question a kid about candy? Her mother pulled over and my goddaughter and I got out and went into the store. Okay, let me explain this as detailed as possible. Most stores here in New Jersey, where I'm from, have what I call a mudroom or airlocks. I don't know the real name, but it's essentially doors to enter the store where they have carts, maybe vending machines and benches to sit on before you enter the main store. In this area, on our right, was a young man, late teens to early twenties, wearing all white, shoes, pants, shirts, everything, He looked Latino or Native American. He had straight shoulder length hair that was so well done that it looked fake. He was texting on his phone. So, what's the big deal, right? It just felt off. I don't know if it was his pristine appearance or just how out of place he looked. And no, it wasn't a mannequin. When I'm with my goddaughter, I'm on high alert like I'm a Secret Service protecting the president. I'm hyper aware. I am very protective of her. So I thought, okay, just a kid who's very OCD about his appearance. This door has two points of entry, and exit: south side and the west side. We came in the south side, where I saw the kid in white. She picked out her candy, we paid and left out of the west side. As we did, the same kid was sitting on a bench in the west side in the airlock. I paused and looked at him. Yeah, that's the same kid. Okay, maybe he was just waiting for someone and then moved to the other spot when we were inside. But my gut said something was off. So I said in a playful way, Let's run to the other side where mommy is, as I was holding her hand. I just wanted to see the other spot where the kid was. And, to my amazement... The same kid was still sitting there. How could he be in two different places at the same time? So, the logical explanations. Twins waiting for someone, but why would they sit in two different places? Sure, the one sitting on the south side makes sense, it was facing the parking lot. The west side doesn't. It faces a little outside sitting area with a fountain and benches and so on. I know that this isn't a huge glitch... But what if people just don't notice this stuff and it happens all of the time? The evidence that we may be in a simulation could be around us all the time. We're just so distracted by our personal experiences that we don't stop and look around every once in a while. Maybe Ferris Bueller was right. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss the glitches. Back in 2018, I was 17 years old and had come back from abroad to visit my friends in my home city for the winter. I remember it was the cold month of December, and I was walking back to my apartment after a medical appointment with my mother when I happened to pass by this very old abandoned drama theater that was built in the 1800s, where my grandfather had temporarily worked in his youth which had been closed ever since the 90s. I recall that I hadn't been on that street for a long time, since my childhood, because I would always avoid the old drama theater buildings, as it gave me very strange vibes, so I would always take the other ways home, back to the city center. However, that particular day, I happened to take that route for some unknown reason and I took that road with my mother while we discussed my upcoming exams, until she stopped me at the intersection for some odd reason and told me I was going the wrong way. At that very moment, I saw a young blonde girl sitting in a very familiar blue opal car, playing her PSP 3000 in the car. She glanced up at me to look at me all of a sudden, Our eyes met, and I felt an odd sense of familiarity and recollection. I froze for a bit in shock, until I heard my mother's voice and decided to quickly turn back. I went home as if nothing happened, and then realized that, when I was a kid back in 2009, it was snowing, and I had seen an older teenager with highlights, makeup, and a purple winter jacket, looking at me strangely when I was in the car with my dad in the back seat, waiting for my mother to get back from the local store a few blocks away. And that's when it hit me that this person was actually me. She too had moved away quickly after locking eyes with me when I was a kid, and she was dressed in the same attire that I was wearing in 2018. It was almost as if what happened wasn't supposed to happen, I wasn't supposed to be there on that day. Even up to this day, I'm confused. How could I possibly have seen myself from the future, and for me to remember it? I've never told anyone about it because they would just assume that I'm a delusional idiot, or something. This has been something that I haven't been able to explain to anyone. I still sometimes think about it and wonder whether I just fell asleep with my eyes open or had hallucinated the entire event, but I recall it as blue as daylight. I've even asked my mother about the event, and she blankly stared at me saying that I acted odd that day, wanting to go back to that place for some unknown reason. I don't believe in the supernatural, but after having experienced this event, I think there's definitely something there, which we aren't aware of. This happened last week. I was getting ready to go to work in the morning. I was still putting my makeup on, and the mirror and the table where I put all of my makeup are one and a half to two steps apart from each other. So, I was walking back and forth. When I was at my table, I looked at my earbuds and thought, I'll put this in my bag right away, or else I'll forget it again. Because a day before... I left them at home. So, I put it in my bag right away, and went on getting ready. I arrived at work at 7am, and had to wait for my manager to open the door. In the meantime, I was scrolling through social media. I thought of putting in my earbuds, because I don't like people listening to what I'm looking at, if that makes sense. But then I thought, well, there's no one around. I'm waiting in my car so I won't disturb anyone, so I don't put it on. At work, it was so busy the whole day that I didn't take my earbuds out of my bag. In the afternoon, when I come home, first thing I do is take my phone and earbuds out of my bag and put them on the table. I arrived at around 5pm, I went in my room and put my bag on the table to take my phone out, and before I went for my earbuds… I saw them on the table. I was like, what the hell? I looked in my bag and I couldn't find them. I was so confused. I clearly remember putting it in my bag because I had forgotten it at home a day before, and I was so pissed about it. But what happened here? I guess the earbuds just transported back home. Nor do I misremember it. It's so weird. that was this week's collection of Glitch in the Matrix stories on the As the Raven Dreams podcast I hope you enjoyed this collection of glitchy goodness if you did and would like to listen to more of this you can always check out the other episodes of the podcast or support the channel further by actually going to my YouTube channel and checking out my videos just go to YouTube and search As the Raven Dreams you can also go to As the Raven dot com for lots of other good stuff ways to get early access, read stories that I've written, submit your own story, and things like that. All that said, friends, thank you very much for listening. I do hope to see you in two weeks on the next Glitch in the Matrix episode. But until then, sleep well.